Well, good morning. Some of you are awake. You realize it is morning, right? Okay. And uh, it's a joy to be with you. I appreciate Brother Mike allowing me to come and to share with you today. Uh, Please forgive me and bear with me. My voice is not where it uh, totally needs to be. Um, I had a sinus infection and still struggling with that, but hopefully we'll be able to share with you what's important, what we need to hear this morning from God's Word. My prayer is is that you're not going to hear me, but you're going to hear God speak through me in the area of your giving and finances, okay? And the reality of it is everybody that I've met struggles with finances. And so I'm sure that uh, you're in the same boat that I'm in, as Pastor Mike just said a moment ago. We all have challenges, but the good news is, is this book speaks to all of those challenges. And so we can learn from God's Word, I want to encourage you in that regard. I also want to encourage you that this is a process of trying to help the church to, for people to give, and give you an opportunity to give over and above what you're currently giving to the church over the next three years so the church doesn't have long-term debt. You might say, why is that important? There are people every day slipping into eternity without Jesus Christ right here in Newton County, and you have a very great opportunity to help to be able to see people come to know Christ through your giving and by accommodating people with the space that's going to be provided by this building that's going to be built. So I want to encourage you to pray about it, and then I want to encourage you to participate. And uh, not because the pastor's asked me to do that. He didn't have a gun to my head and said, I want to talk about giving for us. We're talking about it because God talks about it. He talks about it more in his word than any other subject that's even mentioned in the Bible. It's talked about more than God's love, more than God's grace. It's talked about more than forgiveness. And so if God talks about it, then we got to talk about it too. And so that's what we're going to be doing this morning. I want to encourage you to follow along with me on the handout. Tonight, I'm going to be back. And you might say, well, I don't do Sunday night church. Well, guess what? I don't usually either, okay? But I am tonight because I'm going to be back here at 5, and I hope you'll be back for me to be able to share with you some things from God's Word on grace giving. Because, see, we're going to talk this morning about the tithe and what the tithe is and how much a tithe is. And then I'm going to come back tonight and talk to you about how to give above a tithe because some of you are already tithers. But you're saying, I, you know, I'm tithing. But I hope that you'll come back tonight and understand what it means to give an offering. Now, a lot of times in churches, like we did just a moment ago, and I had even the church call me the other day and tell me, said, you know, we're, we're talking about, we're trying to encourage everybody to give an offering. We just found out, my, I was shocked to hear this, that our pastor don't even tithe. I, do. I know. <laughs> our pastor don't even tithe. And I said, but he's giving an offering. I said, no, 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 no. I said, if he's not tithing, he's not giving an offering. Because an offering can't be given until you give a tithe. Okay? I'm going to show that to you in the Bible tonight, 5 o'clock. Then the church is going to feed you. We're going to have a hot dog supper together. And uh, so after that, then we'll have another session on how to get out of debt. Now, I want you to raise your hand on this. How many of you had trouble getting into debt? Nobody. Okay, that means all of you got debt. So you need help getting out of debt, then I want you to come and be here because that's what we're going to talk about this evening. 
Also, I'm very glad to have one of my friends with me today. She came to hear me preach. She was my neighbor growing up and uh, was at our wedding, and we practically kind of raised her, Kath and I did, Nancy Redden. Wave on back there, Nancy. She's toward the back. She's a good Baptist sitting near the back row, okay? And uh, so if you'll say hello to Nancy, I would appreciate that. And uh, she goes over to Glen Haven Baptist Church, and she texted me and said, Are you preaching anywhere? And I'm like, Yes. And she came up a while ago, and she said, What's preaching? I'm, like, I'm preaching on giving. Oh, boy. So, Nancy, here you go. All right. So we're going to talk about giving this morning out of Malachi. So turn your Bible to Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. The story is told of a salesman trying to sell a home freezer to a housewife. You ever had anybody try to sell you something at your house? Raise your hand. It's all right. Raise your hand to Baptist Church. Kirby vacuum cleaners, rainbow vacuum. I got them all. You know, Tupperware, you know, home interior. I got all that stuff, you know. Because people try to sell me something. Well, somebody came to try to sell this lady a freezer. And he said, you know, you can save money on your food bills to pay for this freezer. She said, yes, sir, I know that. But you need to understand, we're paying for our car on the gas money we're saving. We're paying on our washing machine on the laundry bills we're saving. And we're paying on our house on the rent we're saving. And right now, I just can't afford to save any more. Now, some of you probably think the same thing. There's no way I could save any more money. Financial pressures in this world are real today. And I said in the earlier service, in the Sunday school hour, we're spending more in America today on pet food than we are in churches giving. So there are people that are spending more money giving to take care of pets that they have. And I've got one as well, so I'm kind of guilty there as well, taking care of a pet than we are giving to God's house and to God's work. And experience tells us there's a conversion that needs to take place, and it's a conversion of our pocketbook. Martin Luther once said there are three conversions necessary, conversion of the heart and the conversion of the pocketbook. And experience tells us that conversion of the heart is the most difficult. Because, see, when it comes to our money, what we want to do is make a head decision. And we already have said, and some of you already decided, I can't give any more money than what I'm giving, or I'm not going to give, or I don't think. You hear you say the word think, you know where that comes from? Right here. That's what you're thinking. But what you've got to get to is to the heart decision and trust God that God's given you the resources that you have, and you can never outgive a God who loves you. So what did Jesus have to say? Well, the scripture says no one can serve two masters. Either he's going to hate one and love the other, or he's going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the reality of it is, is I've come to your church this morning to offer you a challenge. And offer you a challenge about your giving. Because you've got to decide at some point in life who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve money? And one day when we get to heaven... I think we're going to be asked, you know, who did you serve? Were you obedient? Were you faithful to me? And in the scripture we talked about in the Bible study hour, we talked about don't come before God empty-handed. I think he's going to ask us, who'd you bring with you? Who did you give your, your a testimony to and share Christ with? Who is it that you uh, loved into a relationship with Christ? Is it your family members, your friends, and others? 
And also, I think he's going to say, I don't want you to come empty-handed before me, but he's going to be judging us on the things the Bible says, on the things that we have done and the things we haven't done. Now, see, when we have those sins of commission, we feel pretty bad about those because we, we know we did something wrong. But those sins of omission are just as great. That means we omitted something. We failed to do something that this book, this instruction manual tells us to do, and we just omitted it, and we didn't do it. So the Bible tells us that God's plan has two parts. It's required of us to tithe. Required giving is the tithe. If you're filling in the blanks, that's the blank there on the outline. The other is voluntary, sacrificial giving, and it's an offering. And what we're talking about in this process is that we're going to ask you and challenge you, if you're not tithing by the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to begin tithing. Now, why would I ask you to do that? Because it's required of God's people to tithe. And so if you're not doing it, guess what? You're being disobedient, and God's blessings are being withheld from you. I'll show you right out of this passage because you're not tithing. And then I'm going to ask some of you that are already tithing, they're already receiving those blessings of God, if you'll be willing to continue and maybe go a little bit further to a voluntary sacrificial offering. And an offering can't be given until you're given a tithe, and I want you to go beyond that area, and then I want you to be able to say, I'm going to give an offering unto God, not because I have to, but because I want to. That's a big difference. You know, we have to change our have-tos to want-tos. I didn't have to get up to this morning, but I wanted to. And so I didn't have to come to church today, but I wanted to. And uh, there's things that we have to change in our life in order to be what God wants us to be. So being a giver is important for our spiritual growth because, you see, lordship and stewardship are synonymous terms. You can't say that God is Lord of your life if he's also not Lord of your money. They're synonymous. You can't say that he's the Lord of our life if he's not the Lord of your money. One can't be a giver and not be spirit-filled, and however, one cannot be spirit-filled and be a giver. So if you're going to be a giver, you're going to be godly. And that's what we want. We want godly people that are leading and doing God's work in his way. So this passage is going to give us a close examination of what the Bible has to say about money. And I'm not going to read it all at one time. I'm going to read it a little bit along so that you'll catch the gist of it as we go along. And I'm reading from a Holman Christian Standard Version, so it may read a little bit different than yours, but it's still the Word of God. There were wealthy people who had allowed money, even back in the Old Testament days, to occupy the wrong place in their lives. And that's still happening today. Money's occupying the wrong place in our lives. And Malachi spoke to the heart of the matter. And he said, if you're going to break this false grip of money in your life, you've got to learn how to give. And we're going to walk through this passage verse by verse. And I want you to see five principles on giving that I think will help you in that regard. First of all, I want you to see principle number one is the call of God to his people. Verse number seven, 
Ever since the time of your forefathers, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to God, and I will return to you, says the Lord God Almighty. Now, let me just share with you just quickly. This, ver- these pa- this passage of Scripture is not a given passage. This passage of Scripture is a revival passage. Because God's people were doing what they wanted to do, and they were over here doing their own thing, and God's saying, return to me, and I will return to you. Do you realize in a relationship that God never moves? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What this Bible says, God never moves. So if anybody changes and moves location, it's us. And I don't know that most of us move toward God. We usually are moving away from God. And that's what was happening here is that we're moving away from God. So what Malachi is saying is God wants us to return to him. He wants to have us in a right relationship with him, and he wants all of his fullness to be poured out in our lives, but he can't do that if we're not where we need to be with God. So I'm praying not that you're going to get a lot of money to be able to build it. My ultimate prayer is, is that God's going to cause revival to break out in your life and that you'll have revival because when God gets a hold of you, he's got your money too. But if he don't have you, he don't have your money. And so God wants all of you. He don't want part of you. He wants all of your life. And that's why in Isaiah 64 and verse 1 it says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That's what the prophet said. Oh, I wish God you would just rend the heavens and you'd come down and you'd rain down on your people. And I know there are people in our churches even today that are praying God's going to send revival and we need revival in our country and we're not a godly country anymore, and that is so true. And the reality of it is, is that it's not going to, the changes that's going to happen to make America great again aren't going to happen in the White House. I don't care who you voted for. It's got to happen, first of all, in God's house. And so we've got to have change here. And if we're not willing to step forward and be the change agents that God wants us to be, it's certainly not going to happen in somebody else's life until we start living the way that God wants us to. So I want you to notice the call of God to his people. The context of it is he says, return to me. And the commitment is, is if you return to me, I'll return to you. So it's a mutual commitment. And it's conditional. You got to make the first move. And so that's what he's talking about in this passage of Scripture. Then I want you to notice that there's also a crime that was being committed against the people. In verses 7 and 8, there's some questions that were asked. And the broad question was, uh, will a man rob God? And then the other one had a specific answer. The broad question was, will a man rob God? And then it's how specific You've robbed me in your tithes and your offerings. And I want you to notice in the Holman, I like the way that it mentions that because it kind of gets a little bit more specific. Well, a man robbed God, yet you're robbing me. You ask, how do we rob you? By not paying the payments of 10% and the contributions. That's pretty clear, Brother Mike. Not giving the payment of 10% plus the contributions. So the people were asked, how do we return to God? And it was a broad answer. Begin with, because they knew they were away from God, 
And then they were told they need to get back toward God. So let's look at it. A tithe is the first thing. A tithe is a tithe of everything. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says, A tithe of everything belongs to God. Now, I asked the group in Sunday school. They might not have been as smart as y'all are. How much is everything? I'll give you another chance. See, that's the reason us preachers have to repeat ourselves, isn't it, Mike? Because people aren't listening to us. And so when you don't respond, then I think you didn't hear me, and so I have to say it again. A tithe of everything is what? How much is everything? Thank you very much. We'll get a lot quicker when you start responding, okay? A tithe is always 10%. An offering is what you give above a tithe and cannot be given until you have given a tithe. So if you're just dropping a little bit of change in the offering plate, guess what? You're giving God a tip. You okay out there? It got kind of quiet. I didn't hear any amens on that one. You're giving God a tip. You're not giving God what God asked to be given. So that means a tithe of everything. A tithe of everything means before your taxes, before your house payment, before the anything is paid, you give to God first. You give God 10%, he'll do a miracle with the 90%. And I'm often asked, Pastor, how much should I tithe off of? Should I tithe off the net or should I tithe off the gross pay? And you know what I used to tell people? Do you want a net blessing or do you want a gross blessing? Because the reality of it is a tithe of everything means a tithe of your gross pay. Now, I already know you're going to say, well, I don't ever see that money. Yes, you do. It takes sewage lines to your house if you live in the city. It takes roads out to where you live for you to run back and forth to town and do your shopping. It takes you to work on those roads. I know the government gets it, and they may misuse it, but the reality of it is a tithe of everything means everything, and we need to realize that. And then it says a tithe is holy to the Lord. What does that mean? It means it's set apart. It's not a matter of prayer. You don't even need to pray about whether you not you need to tithe. Some of you are already thinking, oh, gosh, I need to start praying about whether I need to tithe. No, you don't have to pray about it. I don't pray about Pastor Mike's money because it's not my money. It's his money. I got to pray about my money. But I'm going to pray about it. And the reality is, is you don't need to pray about tithing because it doesn't belong to you anyhow. Whose did it say in that verse it belongs to It belongs to the Lord. Now, the question gets, well, how much offering should I give above a tithe? Well, it's hard to kind of say how much an offering is. Nowhere in the Bible have we been told how much an offering should be. There are examples in Scripture. There's some building projects. There's the tabernacle in the wilderness where Moses told the people to quit giving. They'd already given enough. Solomon's temple, two remodeling projects after Solomon's temple was, just, was built, and then also the rebuilding of the temple in Nehemiah's day. And then in the New Testament, it says there was an offering given to the poor saints in Jerusalem. However, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I want you to see what it has to say. It says the tithe of everything, the building projects I was talking about, Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You ought to write it down and take a look at it. Matter of fact, just turn to it now. That'd be okay. 
you don't want to look at it, you might want to mark it down, write it on that notepad. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him store as God has prospered. What day of the week is the first day of the week? Some of you know. It's Sunday. Okay. The first day of the week, let you, every one of you, how many is every one of you? Just a few of us? Everybody, as you have laid by in store, as God has prospered. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 9, each person should do as he's decided where in his head, no, in his heart, not out of regret or gender necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I was at a church not long ago, and they call their offering plates the joy buckets. They don't even have plates, Pastor. They have buckets. And when they called for the offering, guess what happened? Everybody stood up and cheered and clapped. Woohoo! We get to give back to God. Because they realize in John 3 16, God is the greatest giver of all times. God so loved the world, He gave as one and only Son. I wonder if there's anybody here that's excited about giving. That's willing to say, I can't wait. I want to give because God's blessed me. And would be willing to say, hey, let's pass the plate again. Anybody in the room? Anybody excited about what God's done in their life and they want to give to God? Pastor Larry, I'm excited about giving. All right, Jason. Give Jason a hand. The key to happiness, I always thought, was one day I'd actually have a key. But I didn't. Pastor Larry, I'd like to give you this. Now, many people don't know, or maybe they do know, that Pastor Larry married me and my wife. I did. But before I give you this, and this is a token of how well you've kept us together, but didn't you tell us that love is kind, patient, and forgiving? Yes. Well, can you go tell her that one more time? Because every time I mention the word motorcycle, (laughs) she loses it. So I would appreciate if you would give her that one more scripture just one more time. I'll talk to Karen afterwards. You know what he just handed me? A $100 bill. Karen, you didn't even know it had that much on him, did you? Hey, you didn't give it to him, I'm sure. You know where he got this $100 bill from? He got it from me right before the service. Okay? And so why would he be so willing to give this $100 bill to me? Because it was mine. And he don't live very far from me, and he hadn't given it back. I'd go looking for him, Okay? But you see the principle of what I'm trying to say? Our money doesn't belong to us. Do you get the point? It don't belong to you. So you ain't got to worry about it. You don't have to worry about what doesn't belong to you. It belongs unto God. So I want us to realize that and realize that. And thank you, Jason, for helping me out. Now, the next thing I want you to realize is that if you don't get this principle, guess what the Bible says? You're under a curse. Verse 9, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. I had to tell that deacon that called me about that preacher that's not given. I said, he's got the whole church under a curse. What? I said, go back and read Malachi chapter 3, verse 9. You're under a curse, all of you, because you're robbing me. So the question is, could you be struggling financially because God's trying to get your attention because you're robbing him. You might say, well, it's, it, when I get a raise, I'm going to start tithing. And when this happens or that happens, or when I hit the lottery, I'm going to start tithing. 
And God, I know when I get that ticket and I do that scratch off, that the minute I do that, that if I get, I'm going to give 10% of that to you. Well, that's not even biblical. The reality of it is, think about it this way. Why would God give you any more if you're not handling what you got right already? Why would God bless you with any more money if you're not taking care of what he's already given you? And let me ask you it this way. The Bible says you're robbing God. Would you take and say to a known thief, hey, would you take all my, I just cashed my check. Would you take all my check to the bank in cash? You know that person's a thief. And you say, yeah, would you please just take it on to the bank for me? I don't have time to go to the bank. Would you take and put it in deposit for me? You wouldn't do that. The curse of God is on his people. Most churches are experiencing a curse today. They're having a famine in baptism, having a famine in attendance. And why are they under curse? Because they're not doing what God would have them to do with their money. See, God wants his children to grow in grace, and that's God's riches at Christ's expense. So are you struggling financially because you won't tithe, because you won't give to God? So God commands us to his people, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, here's the thing about it. Why does he say bring it instead of just send it or give it? Why didn't he say give the whole tithe to the storehouse? Here's why. He used the word bring instead of give. You can bring something that's not yours. You can't give something that's not yours. And if you think it's yours, then that's why he said you don't need to get. Bring that whole tithe to the storehouse. Don't give it. It's not yours to begin with. It's an act of worship, the whole tithe. Why did he say whole tithe? Because he's probably heard some preachers that I've heard on radio and television recently saying, well, you know, if you can't tithe 10%, and that's what a tithe is, then start where you are. You heard some of that, Pastor Mike? Start where you are. If you can give 2%, work yourself up to 3%, then 4%, and eventually you'll get up to 10%. But nowhere in this book does it say start where you are. It says the tithe isn't yours. It belongs to God. And then he said in that, and you sit underlined on the screen, test me in this. This is the only place in the entire Bible where you can put God to the test. You can put God to the test. And God says, you test me in this and see if I won't pour out my blessings on you. See if I won't bless you if you're willing to take my challenge and give. Several years ago, I was the interim pastor for about three months. There were a lot of pastors at Zion Baptist Church just down the end of the road here, 212 and Brown Bridge and Georgia 20. And uh, one of the deacons came up to me. Before the service, he said, Pastor, he said, um, the deacons have agreed that they let us take up an offering for my daughter. She's going on a mission trip, and uh, we'd like to raise some money for her to get that mission trip taken care of, and we'd like for you to do it for us. So I said, great, introduce me to your daughter, tell me where she's going and what they're going to be doing with the money and uh, that kind of thing so I can speak intelligently about it. And so she did. She came over and talked to me, and I heard what she had to say. And I told her, I said, now, what I want you to do is when 
I get when the offering plate, when the offer uh, ushers come forward to receive the offering, I want you to come to the platform and I want you to tell the church what you're going to Russia to do. And then I want to challenge everybody there to give and I want to be the first one to give. And I said, so I'm going to do that. Can you help me with that? She said, yes, sir, I will. So she came. She shared with them that she was going to Russia. She's going to be working among the deaf people in Russia to start a church. And she needed $600. And I told them, I said, this is the early service. We can get $600 in this early service right now. And I want to be the first to give. And guess what? I reached in my billfold and I pulled out and realized, oops, I'm in trouble. Because all I had was that $100 bill again. And, you know, it's not proper etiquette for the preacher to take change out of the offering plate. (laughs) Now, the other problem is, is that offering hadn't been received yet. So I couldn't make change. And there wasn't anybody up there with me. And she just gave that beautiful testimony. And I said, I'm going to be the first to give. No, I didn't do it that way. I just dropped it in the offering plate. Knowing two things. One is, I'm real bad about driving my truck all the way to empty. And as I drove into the parking lot of Zion Baptist Church that morning, I heard a little ding. It said, ding, which meant my truck was out of gas. And guess where I had left my debit card? At the house. And so I didn't have any way to buy gas. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Maybe I got enough to get home. I have no idea how long I've been riding on that thing with it empty. And I don't know if I'll make it home or not. And so I just gave and trusted God that he was going to take care of it. The early service finished. They counted the offering up. We had 700 and something dollars given. Took care of the need. I said to her, I said, Carrie, is there other need that you got? She said, yes, sir. She said, they want to buy a piece of property over there. I said, how much does it cost? She said, $6,000. I said, we're going to ask the 11 o'clock service to give $6,000. And so she came up, she gave her testimony, and I got up, and I said this. Folks, I'd like to demonstrate to you that I gave, but I've already given an early service. And guess what? I gave every piece of cash that I had on me. I had $100, and I put it in the offering plate. And I don't know what God's going to do, but I want you to give, not out of necessity, but out of faithfulness. And I want you to be blessed by what Carrie's going to do on that mission trip. We counted up the offering after the 11 o'clock service, Pastor Mike, and they came to me, and they got over $7,000 in that one service. I come out of that building, and I was just like walking on air, man. God has blessed. We got this girl on a mission trip. We got the... Uh, a piece of property bought in Russia for a new church start. And as I'm going by, my dear friend Carolyn, who plays the organ over there, starts waving at me. You know, these musicians, they can play with one hand and wave with the other, you know. She starts waving at me, and I stopped, and she said, Larry, your testimony impacted me so much. God told me to do this. I gave $100 this morning, too. But he also told me to give you your $100 back. That's what God does. Now, why did I tell you that? God doesn't always do that monetarily. But you cannot outgive a God who loves 
and cares for us. So here's the promise of God to his people. Let me get on ahead. I got a little ahead of myself. See if you will not see. Here's the test. You trust God. He says, see if I not throw open floodgates of heaven. Pour out blessings on you. You won't have room enough to receive it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the fields and your vines will not cast their fruit. All the nations are going to call you blessed. So there's three promises here that I want you to catch and I'll close. The floodgates of heaven are not full of money. They're full of God. Let me say that again in case you didn't hear it. God says, I want to give you a spiritual blessing by you being obedient to me. The floodgates of heaven aren't full of money. God don't need our money. He needs us. They're full of God. The second promise is financial. I'm going to prevent the pestilence in your land. In other words, God wants us to have material blessings. And the promise is that he's going to enhance the fruit of our labors. When we did this same process at Peace Baptist Church, and I told the leadership team that's leading this in your church, this same story. The pastor and his wife got together, and they talked about how much they wanted to give for the next three years. And true to form, most women are more greater givers than men ever thought about being. And so they prayed about it separately, and they came back together, and he said, Tabitha, how much you going you think God wants us to give? And she told him, and it was way more than the pastor wanted to give. And so they got together, and they decided to start praying about it together. And then he got up, and he announced to his church what they were going to give. And they decided that over the next three years, they were going to give $100,000 to the building program. Everybody knew that preacher didn't make $100,000. They knew that, that his wife didn't make that much money. And how in the world were they going to give $100,000? He said, I don't know where it's going to come from, but that's what we're going to give. Three to four weeks later, she was working at Georgia Tech at that time. She's now the church administrator. The church has just moved out of the old Glen Haven Baptist Church building, bought the old Target store on Covington Highway. That's a story in itself. But to just tell you how God blessed them, they bought 20 acres and 200,000 square feet of property for a half million, for $250,000. Okay? 20 acres. No, excuse me, it was half a million dollars. 20 acres and 200,000 square feet of property. They've gone from 20, from 12 in his living room to 2,000 plus in attendance since he's been pastor there. Three to four weeks later, she gets a, called into the office of her boss who says, we're going to promote you to a vice president at Georgia Tech. And we're giving you a raise. And guess how much the raise was? It was equal over the next three years to $100,000. A material blessing that God provided because you can't outgive God. The last thing is, it's an evangelistic blessing. Tithing becomes an evangelistic too. All nations will call you blessed. All nations will call you blessed. Wouldn't it be great for a solid rock to be called blessed? Not just in Newton County, but all across the world for the work that God's called you to do. Folks, the process still works. There's a story told 
about a lady in Mississippi, Dr. Ed Solomon, old black preacher, was preaching, and he told of a lady whose husband had died in his church, and she left five small children, and those five small children were left, and he came to her, and her husband had died, and said, Hi, where are you going to raise these five children? She said, I have no idea. She didn't work. They lived on a farm. They were sharecroppers. And she said, I don't have any idea, preacher, how we're going to make it. But you know what? She said, I'm going to take this old chair of mine, and I'm going to move up under the windows of heaven. And I'm going to let God pour out his blessings on, her, on me. And he did. she did, and he did, and she sent all five of those kids to college. And three of the five kids own their own businesses today because one mama said, I'm going to move under the windows of heaven and let God take care of me. Now, when you came in this morning, you were given a three-by-five card. You probably thought that was to make an airplane out of or to doodle around on. You got that three-by-five card? Hold it up so I can see you got it, okay? Hold that card up, okay? Now, I want to ask you to do something with that card, and we're going to have a commitment time. This morning, I want you to take that card. You got a pen. If you need a pen and you don't have a card, raise your hand. Those responsible guys, well, I don't know, but they look responsible back there. They'll bring you a pen. They'll bring you a card. I want you to take that card, and here's what I want you to do. Anybody need a pen? Anybody need a card? Raise your hand. I'm about done. We've got somebody over here who needs one, a pen and a card. Anybody want one that don't have one? Here's what I want you to do with that card. First of all, guys got, got somebody right here. Butch needs a pen and a card. There we go. Take care of him. Okay. All right, here's what I need you to do. On one side of that card, I want you to write down what's God said to me this morning. Not what Larry said to you. What's God saying to me this morning? Write it on that card right now. Take a minute. Write it down. Now, this is not an essay. We're not going to grade them, okay? Just maybe a sentence or two. What's God saying to you right now? Of what you've heard this morning, what's God saying to you? What have you learned this morning? When you're finished, i got one other thing I want to ask you to do. If you're finished, look up here at me. Here's the other thing I want you to ask you to do. The other side of that card is blank, right? I don't want anybody to put their name on that card. Nobody put your name on the card. I don't care who the card came from, okay? If you're afraid somebody's going to read your handwriting, write it with your left hand if you're right-handed. I don't care, Okay? But all these cards are going to go to your pastor and staff. That's who's going to get the cards. But I want you to put something on the other side of the card. If you are here today and you realize for the first time, and I know your pastor's preached on it and he's got a heart for it. I'm sure he has. But all of a sudden, a light bulb went off for you and you realize, I haven't been tithing. And I'm going to start tithing my next paycheck. My next paycheck, I'm going to start tithing. I want you to put two letters on that card, the letter N 
and the letter T for new tither. N and the letter T. Just take a minute, write down on the card the letter N and the letter T. That's all I want on that side of that card. Now, if you're already a tither and you realize, hey, I'm not giving God a thing. I've been tithing for years, but I haven't given God nothing. Zero. Nothing. Because the tithe is whose? It's the Lord's. And man, I've been so blessed, I'm going to start giving an offering. I'm not going to wait till April. I'm going to start next pay period. I want you to write the word plus on that card. Now, you determine how much that offering is, but just write on the back of there the word plus. Need help spelling? P-L-U-S. Some of you aren't writing, okay? The word plus. Meaning I'm going to start giving above what I've been giving, and I'm going to start my next pay period giving an offering. You might be already giving an offering. You might say, God's blessing, and you know, I can do a little bit more. Our whole premise of what we're trying to do is not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. Nobody could equate to the sacrifice of what God did for us. We're just asking you to make a sacrificial gift unto God. Would you bow with me? Then we're about to have our invitation.